Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's crystal clear here. Who else could it be? It's more Morganons, and you're listening, and I'm so grateful for it. Stay tuned, please. Thank you. Okay, let's do a little thought experiment here. Is there such a thing as infestations? Yes. Bed bugs, head lice, body lice, scabies, any kind of parasitic uh, infestation like worms. So yes, infestations are real, as are the mental, psychological, emotional, social, physical effects of such an infestation. A a growing body of research, as well as uh, common sense, have shown that infestation can result in a PTSD-like disorder characterized by sleep disturbance, hypervigilance, obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors, uh, anxiety and depression, okay? These are not psychopathological uh, symptoms. These are normal responses to an infestation of your body and home, right? The normal person, when they are concerned about you know, in their most vulnerable state, in their most private and sacred place, their home, in their bed, asleep. If they're concerned about being having their blood sucked, and they should be if they have bed bugs, um, while they sleep, then obviously you're going to have sleep disturbance. You're going to have anxiety, hypervigilance, um, obsessiveness, and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, depression as well, especially the longer it goes on um, and the more intractable the problem is. So this is a normal response in normal, healthy individuals, not psychopathology. Now let's talk about delusional infestation uh, to continue our conversation from yesterday. What is the difference between a real infestation and a delusional infestation? Hands up! Did anyone say evidence? Evidence of actual infestation? Yes, you are correct if you said that. That is the difference between a delusion of infestation and a real infestation, the evidence that you have an infestation. Okay, what's the problem with delusional parasitosis being conflated with Morgellons disease? Well, the problem is is that when you bring the evidence of your infestation to the person who's supposed to be making that determination of whether it's real or imaginary slash delusional, they interpret the act of bringing evidence of infestation as evidence of delusion. 
Does that make sense? No. No, it does not. Um, is that an example of holding a fixed belief that you support through cognitive distortions, regardless of whatever evidence is presented to yep. you? Yeah. Yes. So who's delusional? It's not us. It's the people who say we're delusional. As long as we do actually have a real infestation. And I, for one, know that I don't have fixed beliefs about anything. I have empirical observational, objective evidence that I am reporting about lesions with the emergence of solid materials coming out of my skin. And there's a cluster of three patients who all had the onset of these symptoms in close temporal proximity to one another. So this is not a fixed belief, and it's certainly not um, a fixed delusional belief because it's not about belief. It's about observations. So unless so the difference between hallucination and delusion, hallucination is a false perception, like using one of your five senses, and delusion is a false belief that arises out of uh, the mind uh, from things like cognitive distortions. Like uh, an example of cognitive distortions would be um, overgeneralization. Like, um, I failed this test, so I must be a failure overall in life. That's a cognitive distortion that leads to um, a, what you could say, a delusional belief. So I don't have cognitive distortions. There's nothing to distort about a um, a symptom that's physical and that can be photographed, videotaped, um, or otherwise affirmed by uh, an objective outside party who's witnessing those things. The problem is, is that in order to get the person you need to witness those things um, that are objective observations, that person has to be open-minded to reviewing in a non-biased, open way, without cognitive distortion, the evidence that you supply. Unfortunately, the unhealthy, irrational, and unfair paradigm of delusional parasitosis diagnosis means that the act of bringing that objective evidence that would distinguish between a real and a delusional infestation is considered to be evidence of delusion. Just the act itself of bringing uh, your physician pictures of what you have witnessed, videos of what you have witnessed, that's the modern day matchbook sign. You know, when I was telling you yesterday about going to the dermatologist when I still thought I had scabies and then my follow-up visit with the physician's assistant, I was really frustrated by the idea um, that when she said, yeah, we're going to do, we could do a punch biopsy and send it off, uh, the tissue off for testing. And I said, well, testing of what? She said, everything. So first of all, there's financial constraints, uh, time constraints, and um, just logical, pragmatic constraints on what you can test uh, any sample for. And it should be, what you test for should be guided by the clinical exam that's done in office. And um, there's no point in doing uh, 
you know, casting a wide net when you can narrow down that panel of things you test for by taking into account the evidence that is presented to you. But if I can't present to you evidence of the things that may be related to these lesions without you labeling the lesions as uh, self-excoriations, meaning me scratching and causing these uh, lesions, uh, as opposed to some pathogen causing the lesions. Um, and if the evidence of what potential pathogens could be is going to be, no matter what, interpreted as um, delusional, uh, uh, diagnostically delusional uh, presentations of the matchbox sign, as opposed to potentially helpful clues to narrow down the scope of uh, what we are testing for, because Like I said, the difference between a real infestation and a delusional one is the evidence of actual infestation. As we know, um, it is notoriously difficult to um, track down some of these uh, causative potential, potentially causative pathogens. Uh, For instance, uh, there was a paper written or published in 2020 by Middleveen, and she goes into... I think it was like 30 Morgulon's patients where they took uh, the uh, tissues, the disease tissues, those histopathological samples, and uh, examined them by many different laboratory means like PCR, uh, polymerase chain reaction testing, uh, microscopy, et cetera, et cetera, that we've talked about before on this show, and determined that just about every freaking Morgulon's patient had some kind of spirochete. Uh, bacteria in their wounds, found and identified in their wounds. So spirochetes are just a type of uh, bacteria are categorized by their morphology, meaning their appearance or shape. So there's rods, those are called bacilli, um, I think. God, it's been a while since microbiology, but um, yeah, the, you know, so, but spirochetes are like this, the name of the word spiral, they're spiral shaped. And I, I guess because of their shape, actually, they can be very invasive and, and difficult to deal with. Uh, uh, examples of uh, bacteria that belong in the class of spirochetes are the bacteria that cause syphilis, uh, Trepanoma palladium or something like that, I think it's called. Google that. Um, and uh, uh, Lyme, Borrelia, Burgdorferia. Um, so she found those things. Uh, in people's wounds. She found another trepanoma, the same uh, 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 category of syphilis, but not syphilis, called uh, denticola, trepanoma denticola. This pathogen, this bacteria, spirochete bacteria, is associated with uh, periodontal disease, so your gums. Um, And so, uh, you know, and she also found H. pylori. H. pylori is a bacteria that causes stomach ulcers. And it's an interesting finding just simply because of the historical parallels between uh, H. pylori, that bacteria, um, and uh, the medical community, which completely uh, was wrong in their original assumption that uh, stomach ulcers are caused by stress. Well, there was this uh, physician, a scientist, who said, hey, I've been checking out this bacteria um, Heliobacter pylori, and it seems to be the cause of these uh, stomach ulcers. And they went, you're a fucking nut. We know that these 
uh, types of bacteria. No bacteria can survive in the acidic environment of the, the stomach. The stomach acids and stuff are so, they're more acidic than battery acid, y'all. Um, we can really break some shit down in our, in our digestive system. Um, but he said, no, I swear to God, these types of bacteria can survive and they are the cause of stomach ulcers. And they said, yeah, whatever, dude. This looks like he's delusional. Um, and he said, okay, fine. And he basically like drank a little Petri dish full. I mean, you know, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but he did inoculate himself with the pylori bacteria that causes stomach ulcers. And, and via self-inoculation uh, with this, uh, he cured himself by, um, he showed the correlation that that was the causative factor in stomach ulcers by giving himself stomach ulcers via introduction of this bacteria, which is a really brave thing to do. And, um, and he proved everybody wrong. And um, eventually that's what we're going to do, guys, um, because we don't know if it's one pathogen or much more likely to be multifactorial uh, pathogens going on. Because like I said, Middleveen found uh whole bunch of different spirochetes in uh, different Morgulon patients' wounds, um, including those mentioned. So um, we have pretty much established without a doubt that there is a strong correlative and perhaps causative association between um, getting a Morgulon's type disease disorder, these lesions and stuff, and uh, these pathogenic uh, bacteria. Um, not known how that process uh, works. Definitely not yet known why I am turning him to Medusa. Uh, yeah, as I've said many times on this show, um, my hair, since I got Morgulons, has somehow gained <laughs> the ability of independent movement. Now, as you know, uh, hair is not in any way alive. It does not have cells that are... Um, you know, the cells are not wired in your hair strands for uh, sensory perception or motor uh, abilities, meaning like, you know, the body has like in my arm, I've got sensory nerves. So when you touch my arm, I can feel it. And then I've got motor nerves. So that means I can move my arm, right? Using my brain, I can send a signal down those nerves. Well, the hair obviously doesn't have that. So it can neither move nor feel. If it could feel, well, damn, it would hurt really bad when you went to the hair salon. The fucking barbershop would be full of people just crying their eyes out, you know? Or people under anesthesia getting their haircuts. <laughs> um, but, like, I... This is weird. This is really weird, okay? The last two times that I've gotten my haircut, the very next day or that evening, my hair has been extremely active. Like, it is, like, mad or something. Like, I can't believe you cut me! And the Morgulons go nuts and they start making my hair vibrate and uh, stand up straight from my head and move in different directions. It's bizarre, and I don't expect you to believe me, but um, if you're really curious, I can show you some very compelling video evidence where it is obvious that uh, air currents and static electricity are not plausible uh, explanations for the phenomena, nor is delusional parasitosis. Uh, let's talk about that some more. Stay tuned.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They say that when me and you have it, that's French for a madness of two. And they say me and you lost our minds at the very same time, but that's untrue. No fucking sense. But uh, Morgulon's deniers continue to use it as the explanation for why Morgulon's disease often seems to break out in clusters of cases, as it did with mine in the cluster of three cases in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, starting the late spring, early summer of this year. Um, They also say that it is spread by the internet. Yes, the only disease to be spread by the internet, apparently. If y'all know of another one, please comment right in or do whatever you can do to share that information with us because I want people to poke holes in my line of logic because I want to know the truth. I don't want to be right. Um, but I don't know of any. I mean, why aren't, why don't you hear people say these very same, uh, people floating this idea of mass hysteria via internet? That's the explanation for Morgulon's, the increase in prevalence and reporting of Morgulon's disease. That's the reason why they say, well, um, why not, why, why don't, why don't you hear them also saying, yeah, autism. There's been a, a same period of time, essentially, an increase in reports of and prevalence diagnosis of autism. There's also been an expansion of the diagnostic criteria, and we have to acknowledge that the autism spectrum disorder has replaced autism um, in the DSM-5 version of uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, just a little note there. But still, that doesn't uh, necessarily account for all of the uh, increase in prevalence um, epidemiologically of autism. But you don't hear anyone suggesting regardless of any of those factors, that it was that it's a mass hysteria spread by the internet. No, you don't. You just don't. And um, I quite honestly don't know of any other disorders that are spoken about in this way either. So why wouldn't it be explained perhaps much more logically that when you have a new or emerging illness that it, no one understands and that is very isolating because everyone denies that it exists, that the first place you go is the internet to try to get more information and, and to try to find validation and empathy. Um, we go to the internet for everything in life now. Why in the world would this be any different? Um, and it would be especially so because of the very nature and the context in which uh, we find ourselves as morgues. So um, spread by the internet? I don't think so. Don't make any sense. Um, The other way they say, they explain that 
uh, the, the, oh, well, this uh, cluster of uh, cases um, like yours, uh, Ms. Clear, is that's an example of a foile à deux. Um, what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. First of all, stop right there. Whenever people use a French phrase to uh, describe or refer to something, uh, they're trying to like dress up something and misdirect, distract your attention away from the actual content of what they are saying. Because, I mean, think about it. Hey, baby, I've really been thinking. I want to have a menage à Um, Why would he say that instead of, I've been thinking, I really want to sleep with your best friend Sharon sometime when you're there sleeping with you two. I mean, because you want to make it sound French and fancy. French makes everything sound fancy. So that is why they call it a foile à deux. And let me tell you something. In French, that phrase, it refers to um, the madness of two. It refers to usually like an ill-conceived relationship. Like, um, they're both crazy to think when they get married, you know, the gossip at the, uh, the, the guests, they're gossiping at the uh, reception dinner or whatever. And they're like, ah, it's never going to last 30 year age difference. No, no, no. But <laughs> that's where the phrase comes from. It originates in French culture. And these, this idea, this thing that you hear being spit out by uh, psychiatrists, and other quacks is the like foile à trait. Like so, if you have four people in your family, they're going to say, "Oh, you're all crazy. You're all crazy." Um, that's a four. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't speak French, so it's quattro, I guess, probably for four. Um, but that's convenient. That's convenient. Um, doesn't make sense. And uh, usually, that term, even in psychotherapy, refers to. Um, sort of a criminal uh, uh, cases. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's been lots of, like, uh, criminal couples, like men and woman couples, where the... Usually it refers to a situation where a more dominant, powerful, and abusive individual in relation to another individual kind of gets them on board and on track to help them commit murders or to violate sexual assault or whatever... Um, and really, I would even question, I don't know if that's really and truly the madness of two, um, <laughs> or if it's really just one uh, psychopathic uh, individual who has, uh, you know, through fear and intimidation and threats, uh, come to control the uh, thoughts and um, uh, uh, choices, behavior of a, we- a much weaker individual. And um, even though I'm tough as nails, I don't, uh, I don't think that I am uh, strong enough or dominant enough or psycho enough to have talked to other people that I know that I have very different relationships with into the idea that they, like me, have uh, an imaginary infestation. No. I wasn't the first person in this triad to get these symptoms, um, and it did not incur, occur to me until after ruling out every other possible explanation of what this could be, it did not even occur to me that this could be um, anything but a normal infestation like scabies or something. Um, and, and anyway, the point is, we live in different households, 
there's not like a dominant member of the group who is like controlling or manipulating or oppressing us. It's three, it was three different relationships. So like one, an intimate relationship, another one, an intimate friendship, um, romantic versus friendship. And <laughs> you know, there's just nothing. That's not the logical, rational explanation for the, the case series that is, has occurred in Atlanta, uh, here recently, uh, with me, my ex and my best friend, um, who seem to have mortal lines now. And, uh, you know, I can't speak for my ex, but, uh, m- new information coming to light recently causing me to believe that, uh, actually three out of three of that case series may have actually gotten Morgulans due to some, uh, presence of symptoms that are unexplainable by any other rationale in the third person who seems to be a much milder, uh, much, much milder case. Uh, but anyway, can't speak to that really. Uh, I can only say that, uh, the logical explanation is truly not that three independent adults in three different households, healthy, successful, high functioning, no history of serious, significant uh, psychological or psychotic disorders, all of a sudden in close temporal range, develop delusions of infestation. Um, Especially since uh, we all three have different perceptions uh, and attitudes towards uh, the symptoms we have experienced. Um, anyway, this just doesn't make sense. These, uh, excuses or explanations like what I do and it's spread by the internet. These are not attached to any other disease, not even psychiatric disorders. And, you know, they can say and make up anything they want basically about psychiatric disorders because there's not really any science underpinning it other than chemical imbalance. Um, and that's really just like kind of an updated version of like the four humors are out of balance. Someone get the mercury and the leeches. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like quite honestly, like there's never been a study that said, hey, we took the, you know, blood samples or cerebral spinal fluid or something from all these patients that had depression. And we found that they all had depleted serotonin. No, they've tried it. It's never been done, though. It's never been done. The chemical imbalance theory is a theory that really has very little scientific supportive evidence, if if really any. Um, So yeah, keep that in mind. But even so, with this Morgulans, it's the only one. They don't say autism or ADHD or um, depression can be spread via the internet or a foile à deux or trace, or quattro, or whatever. Um, they just don't, and, and there's a reason for that. I think that that's significant. And the significance in my mind is that it's bullshit. Morgulans is a mysterious disease with mysterious origins that have yet to be fully explained or understood. And because such a relatively small number of people suffer with this disease, it is so easy for them to write us off as uh, delusional parasitosis patients instead of continue to investigate this complex and perplexing condition.
And the CDC study published around 2012 that said, hey, everybody's been waiting for these results. We took it seriously. We have definitively determined from this one study and these like, uh, what was it? What did we decide it was 12 or 14 or 13 patients that we actually did histology, clinical microscopy and other laboratory uh, uh, studies on, even though our case definition was flawed and even though our uh, methods were flawed, we just found cellulose, which we're going to assume is cotton and not, you know, agrobacterium or some other uh, substance that contains cellulose and agrobacterium does contain cellulose. Um, you know, they did the wrong tests on the wrong people and concluded that nothing's wrong with us. It's all in our heads. This is another form of delusional parasitosis. And, uh, even though that study was so inherently, uh, flawed and, uh, the results, uh, invalid, uh, in terms of the purpose of the study itself, um, it was convincing. It was very convincing because on their reputation alone, people didn't feel the need to go in and really break that study down like we did and find its flaws. And from that point forward, the mainstream medical community and culture have just written off the morgues, guys. You know they have. I know they have. We've experienced uh, that. And um, the, those who are not morgues and who are for some reason listening, put yourself in our shoes. Um, I wouldn't stay in them too long because we don't know if this is contagious and my loafers are full of those weird paint chip things. Um, but yeah, get those shoes off, please. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, this is a, this is not a strong uh, bastion of logic, uh, this position about Morglons equating to essentially the same thing as delusional infestation. It's just not. Um, the whole thing is a setup uh, again, maligning patients. Um, it's a perversion of the, uh, duties and responsibilities of, uh, the provider to the patient. And, um, I just hope that after listening to my long rant, um, that you have maybe considered this argument in, uh, one or maybe more new, uh, perspectives. And if you have anything else you'd like to add, cause I feel like I'm just skimming the surface, but y'all are probably getting tired of me talk about this. But, um, if you want to add on your own, uh, thoughts about why, uh, Morgulons is not just some new version of delusional parasitosis, I would love to hear them. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad that you guys stuck through it, the whole entire thing, and that I did too. I'm out of breath because I always pace back and forth when I record. Uh, but um, thanks for being here, and stay tuned.